Before we start the show, I need your help. World Builder Blog, that's my blog, has been nominated for an Any Award, and the voting starts today. That's July 11th. Please go to any-awards.com and vote not just for World Builder Blog, if you love the blog, or one of the other awesome blogs. I The competition is stiff, so go vote for somebody, and then also vote for the rest of the awards. There are a ton of great RPG products, and this is a big award that people get a lot of recognition from. You only have until July 21st, so go and vote. It'll take five minutes, and you'll be doing the RPG industry a huge favor. And hey, if you're going to Gen Con, Jeff Greiner, Rudy Basso, and I will all be there. If you want to see us, we're going to be doing a live roundtable at 5 p.m. the Friday of Gen Con. That's 5 p.m. on Friday, August 5th in the Crown Plaza in Grand Central Ballroom D. We're going to be joined by fan-favorite panelists Liz Tice, Dan Dillon, and Sean Merwin. It's going to be totally free, so get your tickets now. After the panel, join us at Rock Bottom Brewery in downtown Indianapolis, near the convention center at 7 p.m. for drinks, food, and games. Then, I've got a movie. That's right, I'm a filmmaker. It's a movie I wrote, directed, and produced with my partner, Jay Lechko, and it's premiering at Gen Con. Night Birds, that's night with a K, is a six-minute-long short film that's a superhero comedy. It's part of the superhero block on 7 p.m. August 6th, the Saturday at Gen Con. That's also totally free, so check it out and go support my movie, Night Birds. That's night with a K. Finally, I have the honor of leading a panel at Gen Con. I will be moderating the Digital Future of D&D 5th Edition at Two on the Saturday of Gen Con in Crown Plaza Grand Central Ballroom C. The SRD is shaking up the landscape for D&D digital tools. Which tools will make an impact? What's on the horizon? Leading companies share their visions and answer your questions. Get your free tickets to this event now. There's going to be all kinds of great people there. Drive Through RPG, Sirenscape, Lone Wolf Development, Mesa Mundi, Smiteworks, and yours truly will all be there at this panel. It's going to be super, super informative. Please go check it out. Hello and welcome to Gamer to Gamer. I'm your host, James Intricasso. This is a podcast where I interview pros in the RPG industry about the games they create and love to play. Today's guest is Pedro Barrenechea. Pedro is the self-proclaimed mechanics monkey for Paradigm Concepts, the company behind the Arcanist campaign setting and Rotted Capes. He is a super awesome dude. This is one of the most fun interviews I have ever done for the Tome Show, so I am really excited to take you into it. But before we get to that, I want to remind you to use the affiliate links at thetomeshow.com and the show notes for this episode or any other before you shop on Amazon or the Dungeon Masters Guild. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the banner for the Dungeon Masters Guild or Amazon, and then shop as you normally would. I'd also like to thank our sponsor for this podcast, noblenight.com. They're a brick-and-mortar game store that also exists online. They have D&D and other tabletop RPGs. Any edition, any product. With Noble Knight, you can even sell your old gaming products that you aren't using anymore. My product pick for Noble Knight for this episode is Living Arcanus Codex Arcanus. 
This supplement, which was originally 35 bucks, is only 20 at noblenight.com. It is compatible with the third edition D&D rules, but you know what? It's so awesome. There's so much awesome story, flavor, and all other kinds of good stuff in there. Even if you're playing 5th, 4th, 2nd, 1st, you can get a lot out of this book. You're going to hear more about Arcanus when I talk to Pedro. So why don't we go ahead and play the ad, and then we'll roll the interview. Support for the Tome Show comes from Noble Knight. From Noble Knight. Noble Knight? Knight. Knight? Thousands of tabletop gamers use a Noble Knight to sell new and out-of-print games and products at a discounted price. Noble Knight will also buy back the game products you aren't using anymore. NobleKnight.com, the brick-and-mortar online store where out-of-print is available again. Tell them the Tome Show sent you. I use Noble Knight. You do? I love it. It's trying to sound creepy, though. Okay, everybody, I am here with the one and only Pedro Barrenechea. Uh, Pedro, welcome to Gamer to Gamer. It's so good to have you here today, man. Well, thank you for having me, man. Of course, of course. So people may have heard you on our roundtable podcast where we talked about uh, Arcanus, uh, and we're going we're gonna to talk about it a little bit more today. Uh, but first, um, let's talk a little bit about you. You're a game designer, and you've worked on some awesome, awesome gaming properties. Uh, but take me all the way back to the very first time you laid hands on a tabletop role-playing game. Uh, what game was it, and, uh, and how did it go down? Oh dear God! Um, <laughs> I'm about to I'm about to date myself. So it was way back when I was probably nine or ten years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to live in North Miami Beach, which was a at the time a heavily Jewish neighborhood. I was the only Hispanic. We were the only Hispanic family in the entire neighborhood, and I made friends with a few boys. And a girl, actually, there was a girl with us, who played D&D. I had no idea what it was. And one time they were playing on the front porch of one of my friend's houses. And I walk up, and they were all around the age of 14. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, playing Dungeons and Dragons. And it was the original basic red box, you know, where Elf was a class. I, start, I, I remember they were like, do you want to play? I'm like, Yeah. And they, we rolled up a character, and within a few minutes, I was playing. And before I knew it, I was in their their Sunday game, and um, played ever since. Actually, even when I went to junior high, I still remember how I met my one of my best friends. I was walking around the lunchroom, and he had the advanced players uh, guide open, players oh, handbook, nice. and I stopped and went, "You play Dungeons and Dragons?" And he's like. Yes, we do. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I got invited to another game. And, yeah, pretty much since then. Yeah, that's how I started playing. That's awesome. That's a really, really great story. And it's cool, like, hey, you just walked up to some people in the neighborhood, and and they were playing, and they invited you to join. That's really cool. And they were like, hey, make a character. And I was like, you serious? Like, yeah. (laughs) So, And I thought it was cool because they were older kids. They wanted me around. And, yeah, it was fun. And I got completely hooked into it and at the same time there was some synergy um because okay so i'm dyslexic mm-hmm. and have add so i had a lot of problems reading when i was younger and a teacher she tried to figure out what i liked reading to try to get me to start reading and she gave me the hobbit and uh, i devoured it in a weekend nice i walked back i walked into her into her into into the room 
put the book on her desk. And I said, more, please. It was within probably a month of that happening where mm-hmm. I played my first D&D game. So it was like everything just fell into place with my, obs- my, my found obsession with fantasy. That's awesome. That's really, really cool that, uh, that your teacher, you know, was willing to, to stay with you on that and, and to try cool stuff with you, you know, like, Hey, do you oh, like yeah, this? Yeah. Do you she, like this? So yeah, she must've tried to get me to read like, like five or six books wow. and none of them, just none of them clicked. I don't even remember the titles of the books, but the Hobbit, I still remember reading it. And within like the first few pages, I was like, okay, this is cool. And I, I devoured the entire thing in a weekend. My parents thought I was sick because I didn't leave my room. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, man. You you have some uh, some serious, awesome, like moving stories. So, at what point did you sort of, you know, make the make the leap from uh, you're you're here, you're you're playing lots of games, you know, you're you're doing that kind of thing, and then you make the switch over to doing it professionally um i got to meet a whole mess of people um during the living city campaign um i kind of discovered it one time where i got to finally go to gen con and i played my first living city campaign and living city adventure and i completely fell in love with it because i fell in love with the people that were running it um and somehow that got me to meet people in watsi um and that got me into playtesting third edition so I'm playtesting third edition, and the the entire thing about the SRD comes out. Well, I had a few friends of mine that uh, were trying to set up a role playing game company to write a game called Pulp. They kind of had their own mechanics for it and stuff. They wanted to jump on the D20 thing because you know at, when D20 first started out, I mean it was this explosion in the game industry. I mean. 3.0, like, knocked it out of the park. Out of nowhere, all these old gamers showed up to start playing it again. They had no experience with the D20 system, but they all knew that I was playtesting 3.0 and the Forgotten Realms book. So they asked me mm. if I would help just doing mechanic stuff because not only am I a game designer, uh, I'm also an engineer. I own a small engineering firm. Nice. So they knew I was really good with numbers and really good with mechanics. Mm-hmm. So they asked me if I would like to join them in, you know, spearheading all the mechanic side for this part of the company. Um, I said yes. And at that point, it was just freelancing. And um, before I know it, I was a full-blown partner. Okay, I was the liaison for the Living Arcanas campaign with Watsi. Because when we first started Living Arcanas, uh, Wizards of the Coast actually supported us. We were part of the RPGA. Wow, that's awesome. I had yeah, no idea. They- yeah, they fully backed us. I mean, uh, they really worked with us. I, I cannot say a bad thing about Watsi. Watsi was like so supportive of our campaign. Uh, Winter Fantasy, they gave us a huge room to run events. They would share GMs with us. We would share GMs with them. Uh, we would send them our adventures and we would put them up on the RPGA list, on the RPGA servers. Holy uh, crap. Yeah, dude, they helped promote our stuff. I mean, they were amazing uh, because back then the RPGA was about role-playing games. It was right. about get everybody into role-playing. Um, and, I mean, they had that. They had their, I remember they had Living Spycraft. They came in after us. Um, and there, were, there was a bunch of little living campaigns that came in after us that Watson supported. Um, because their entire mission back then was promote gaming. Right. Um, 
And then with fourth edition, they kind of went only D and D, and they let us go. Um, but yeah, that's how I got into it. I I started off just being a stat monkey, uh, and and helping out with you know the rule system, and I you know worked my way into being a partner of the company. What do you think makes you such a a, a good stat monkey? That was a, a phrase you used when you were on the roundtable last time, um, and I think it, it's like such an interesting thing. Uh, wh- why do you call yourself that? Well, I okay. To be fair, I did not give myself the stat monkey moniker. Ah, I see. <laughs> the, stat, the people that gave me the stat monkey moniker were the Living Arcanist players. Because I would zip out, you know, spit off percentages and stuff off the top of my head. And because it was, a, uh, you know, it was like, oh, I have no idea how that would work as a, as a stat monkey. <laughs> and it just, it just happened that way. And um, it, was, it was a mix between the company, because we all had nicknames. Uh, like, like, you know, like Henry Lopez is the story guy. Right, right. He is the storyteller. And when it comes to mechanics, he is not that strong on mechanics, but he admits that. He's like, you know, mechanics is not my forte. That's UP. So he'll be like, I have an idea. Could we make this work in the system? And I'll be like, mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember the, the early brainstorming sessions for Arcanus that he would come up with these fantastic ideas. And I'll be like, bro, bro, stop, stop. There's no way we can make that in a system balance. <laughs> um, but he would come up with ideas and I would stop and be like, you know, he could make that work. And, um, and you know, it was a, you know, he would throw ideas and I would, and people would look, it was like three of us in the room. They would look at me and I'll be like, yes, we can make that work with this, 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 this. <laughs> so that's how I became stat monkey. And then, you know, over time, uh, from just, you know, working on just D20 stuff, I started to develop stuff. Like the uh, Living Arcanist role-playing game that we came out with after, you know, when 4th Edition came out that we didn't really want to go with 4th Edition. Um, me and Eric were the two lead developers on it. And then uh, Rotted Capes, that was my baby. I was full rules developer on that one. Um, so I kind of like grew into that position. Oh man, I, I love rotted capes. Uh, and, and certainly we're going to do a lot of talking about Arcanus for, for sure. Uh, and, and what you guys are, are bringing in, you know, kind of from your rule set, uh, into your fifth edition version. But let's talk real fast about rotted capes. Last time you were on essentially, right? It's like this world where, zombie superheroes uh have have taken over and they sort of they they're not like walking dead zombies right they like retain their sense of self and all oh, their yeah. superpowers it, it, the entire idea and, and 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 henry's the one that came up with this idea because we were like throwing around ideas for role-playing games okay zombie superheroes and i'm like uh okay and he goes but hold on let me let me pitch this and he did this pitch and i was like Lord, I'm like, that's a genius. <laughs> in Roger Cave, basically, you're not playing the super superheroes. You're playing the sidekicks. Because they're the only ones that are left. Basically, you know, you're the Robin to the Batman. And Batman went out to stop the zombies, and they failed. So you are the sidekicks. You're the ex-sidekicks trying to hold humanity together in these little enclaves. And you still wear your superhero uniform <laughs> because you become a symbol of hope. For the sure. but the zombie apocalypse isn't you know just you know the common zombies the the zombie disease who had a meta meta gene mm-hmm. it mutated you 
where it basically shut off your entire moral compass and turned you into a predator. Oh, you became an apex predator. Yes. Basically, you're an apex predator, and you keep all your powers. Your entire moral compass is shut down. So the more good you were, the mm-hmm. more heroic you were, the farther you fall. Wow, that so, is uh, terrifying. Yeah. That it's, you know, so, so, so your always- Superman is like the worst of them all. Worst thing you could no actually the worst would be like a Captain America. Oh yeah, yeah. Just fall, just completely fall. And the thing is, so you're playing these sidekicks and your heroes, the people that you looked up to, are the greatest monsters you have to face. And not only that, but you also have like, and uh, like well, some of the things uh, themes we play on is that not only do you have to worry about the the super zombies, you have to worry about the deadhead zombies. Then we have like funky twists on zombies. Like uh, we have this one zombie, a uh, phase zombie that um, what, a supervillain was trying to find a way to get rid of all the zombies. Because he was like, hell no, I want to take over the earth and I can't take over an earth filled of zombies. So his idea was to phase them into a different dimension. Well, it didn't work. He created zombies that could phase through walls. Oh, no, no. That yeah. is terrifying. <laughs> Oh, yes. And I remember the first time I threw them at my playtesters, you know, they they were just like, uh, deadhead zombies. And they're like, close the door, close the door. So one guy closes the door. He uses his, he uses his eye beams to like weld the door shut because it was a steel door. And they just, uh, come in through the wall and look at them and they're like, oh, fantastic. But, um, so you have them. And then not only do you have to deal with zombies, we have to deal with other human enclaves mm-hmm. of survivors who are also evil. Who oh. might be being, like uh, we have a guy in there who's a uh, who's a villain who is has an enclave, and he's basically looking at all these people and saying, "Well, if you want me to protect you from the zombies, you have to give me everything I want." That's that's almost like a apocalypse style theme, right? The strong guy takes over, blah blah. blah. But in this case, they have superpowers. Exactly. Oh, and another, uh, I, something I always wanted to write into, we probably write into a supplement when we get to it, but Henry, I think it was Henry came up with this idea and it was fantastic. The, pe- the people protecting the zombies are vampires. Oh, that's They're awesome. Humans. <laughs> and the humans are allowing the vampires to feed off of them because they're like, only you can protect us from them. <laughs> so the, the vampires are like, we can't let the zombies take over because what are we going to eat? Right, yeah, yeah, we'll be out of a food supply. Oh, man. So the vampires are actually the good guys. <laughs> <laughs> and That's... they're all eating just as much as they need. But you know what sucks? During the day, all the survivors are on their own. Wow. Oh, that does suck. Yeah, of course, because the vampires have to be hidden. Wow. Exactly. And basically, humans are living in the catacombs under France. Stories that you can tell with rotted capes are fantastic. You know that podcast, uh, Fandible? Yeah, yeah. Okay, they're running a a game now. in, in They're doing a rotted capes game, and it's fantastic. It's a blast to listen to. But yeah, the entire world of, is just, if you, if there's so much possibility in it mm-hmm. that you could just run such fun games. And the cool thing about Rodney Capes, it could be either beer, it could be a beer and pretzels, you know, bash the zombies when, you know, save the day, or it could be hardcore, horrific, you know, walking dead at the drop of a dime. 
you can just switch from one to the other because the world lends itself to that. It's my guilty pleasure. I love that game. One Amazing. of the characters in the back is dedicated is is based off of my daughter, my older daughter. Yes, there's a character in the back called Apparition. Mm-hmm. She came up with the character and uh, the art. The face is my daughter's face. You put your daughter in a horrific zombie game. Oh, no! Yeah, not only did I do that, but Henry's the one that wrote her background. Nice. And uh, he didn't do this on purpose. It just turned out to be that way. Um, so he created like a Fantastic Four-like family called the Dartan family. Gotcha. Which all of them became zombies, except for my daughter's character. And wow. <laughs> the, story, the, story, the story is that my daughter's character never had powers. She was always she always felt like the failure of the family because she didn't have powers. Well, her powers manifested when her family attacked her. Oh God! Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> yes, it's horrible. It's such a sad story. Yeah. So, so her family's hunting her down. Wow. Yeah, it's just such a sad, it's a horrible story. It's a fantastic read, but I just read it. And the one thing that my, that it's funny, Henry did not mean it. The, the sister who attacked her, her name is Jennifer, and that is my younger daughter's name. So inadvertently, he put my younger daughter in the world as a zombie. Oh my God. It's so messed up. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's nice. awesome. He didn't even mean it either when I told him, like, whoa, dude, you put my other daughter in the world? What do you mean? And I went, that's my daughter's name. He's like, oh, dude, I didn't mean that. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Oh, it just turned out it was serendipitous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's incredible. That's so fun yeah. uh, and so messed up. <laughs> so fun messed writing. Up. We have so much fun writing our stuff. I mean, it, it, sitting in on one of our development meetings where we're just throwing ideas at each other, uh, we have so much fun. And so, you know, that's that's just one of your awesome properties. Um, the last time you were on here, you talked about Arcanus quite a bit with Henry. And, um, you know, uh, you guys just had a very successful Kickstarter. Uh, congratulations uh, on uh, Forged in Magic. Hey, no pressure, right? right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. I still remember we're on the phone when we finally closed and we're like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was fantastic. But yeah, the, the, the Kickstarter went fantastic. And the, the great thing is that most of the people that went into the Kickstarter aren't old Arcanus fans. They're brand new players. So we have a really good chance to, you know, get new people into the game that we're really looking forward to. So. You know, it's an incredible book, uh, just because it's going to have so many magic items. And we talked like, to uh, I'm at a hundred. I'm at 148 wondrous items wow that's awesome those wondrous items bro <laughs> wondrous items and uh and the rune system is so turning out to be so sweet but yeah so yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing to hearing players reactions when they finally get this book yeah totally well the the rune magic we talked a little, bit, a little bit about it that last time it's like hey you find a rune and if you attach it to your armor it does something different than if you like attach mm-hmm. it to your weapon right yeah. That's so badass. I love that. I love that. That's awesome. Um so uh so let's talk a little bit about Arcanus. Uh what's the uh what's the short version of the world um for people who uh who maybe aren't familiar with it? Okay, well the world uh okay, so the short version of the world. Wow, for such a deep world is not easy. 
<laughs> okay, my favorite tagline for the world, it's a world where sometimes the most difficult thing to be is a hero. Nice. Because we are very, we really play with the shades of gray. Um, we always believed that the best villains are the ones that believe they're doing the right thing. I like that they're for sure. Greatest. Complex villains oh, are way better oh, than non-complex. Oh yeah, for sure. And we always pride ourselves on a deep story. Um, like just little examples, like the fact that our world, uh, that we don't follow the basic uh, tenets of D and D, where gods have alignment. They don't. Gods are just gods. They're beyond the moral compass of humans. Um, so you have all these different aspects of the same God, and some of these aspects are at each other's throats, but they're all viable. Like you, like uh, the God of Disease and the Undead, which in most other fantasy worlds is straight out an evil God. In our world, it depends how you worship him, because some people worship him as someone to to hold away the undead or to cure disease, while others see him as a bringer of disease. Or, or yeah, and 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 in in our world, the undead sometimes happens spontaneously because it's a gift from that god. Like um, in our old living campaign, we had a adventure where a knight died defending this village and with his dying breath he prayed to Neron to help him to give him the energy to keep fighting so Neron raised him as an undead Whoa. to continue his work and the players find out during this storyline they find out that he's undead and they have a choice in the campaign to turn him over to the to the church to tell the church what's really happening mm-hmm. or to keep it quiet because the church wants to he dies during the adventure, but the church wants to canonize him as a saint. And the characters in the game had a choice. Do we tell him that he was an undead, or do we keep that quiet and let him, you know, be canonized as a saint? Right, and right. overwhelmingly, the players are like, we're not saying anything. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's like the type of stuff we play with. Like, in normal game world, just the fact that he's undead automatically will mark him as evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. In Canis, um, like one of the traditions we have in Arcana is like when somebody is undead, you're supposed to retire quietly. You just retire. Just you go away from mortal realms. You don't you don't cause trouble. You just you know you go away quietly. And there's there's like uh, families that have uh, like an undead patron of the family who they still go to for advice. Wow, that's cool. Over the, now over the centuries, that person starts to detach from moral from normal morality because. When you're alive for 500 years, you really can't relate with somebody who's been alive for 50. And so it becomes this, like, do you really want to go talk to him? <laughs> Are you sure? Mm-hmm. But it, it creates all these playing around with, uh, with common perceptions of, D- of fantasy and D&D and twisting them like that creates all these possibilities in the world that you really don't get with the average game world. Right. Yeah, totally. So, so that's why, you know, our, my, my thing with Arcanus is Arcanus are the world of grays, where sometimes the hardest thing to be is a hero, because you don't really know the motivations of the people you're working for, or the people you're doing things with. Like, I think I told you before, one of my favorite things that ever happened at a table I ran was at the end of the adventure, everybody looked at each other and went, we won, but really, should have we? <laughs> Did we do the right thing? Right. Because they really didn't know at the end, they were like, Guys, I think we should have failed this one. Wow! And in fact, I've had tables fail a mission on purpose because they're like, "Guys, 
we shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> and they're like, you know, we're going to incur the wrath of the snowball. And they're like, do we honestly care at this point? No, <laughs> just don't do this. And I've had tables split 50-50 where three players want to go through with something. And three players are like, guys, I'm uncomfortable with this. That's yeah. great. And you have great conversations at the table and it makes your oh story God. so much better. Yeah, for sure. Like we, we've had like debate. I, I, I remember I ran a table where, um, so there's a really hard decision at the end where these people are doing something horrific, but they're doing it to save thousands and thousands of lives. It's one of these choices where you're sitting there and you're like, oh God, which way do we go? And the conversation at the table, I actually looked at everybody and go, okay guys, you guys are really getting into this. I'm going to go get something to drink. We have about 30 minutes left for the round. So I'm going to come back and you guys tell me what you're doing. Because you're on your own. <laughs> and I got up and went to get something to drink and came back. And it went at it for a good, like, I think, I think we went over the slot for a good, like, 30 minutes. Wow. That's awesome. Those, those are, yeah. like, great, great things that are happening, though, oh, you know? For sure. for sure. Because, you know, again, they, the situation came up where it's like, okay, guys, how do we balance this? And a lot of people, like one per, one of the characters has got up and left. She was like, I can't be part of this. What are you doing? I'm leaving. Holy and, crap. And she's like, I get up, I leave. I look at everybody and say, guys, I'm sorry, don't take this personally. And the rest of the table and character were like, we understand. Go. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it, that's the basic pitch for Hannah's. It, it's a really deep, deep, deep world. Not easy to be a hero. But the stories are fantastic. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, and you've got some stuff coming down the uh, coming down the pike for Arcanus at the moment, right? Yes, we do. Like, oh, so right now my entire world is completely eaten up by uh, finishing up Forged of Magic. But at Origins, mm-hmm. we premiered the fifth edition campaign. Mm. For- it was a soft premiere. We kind of wanted to test the waters, so we really didn't promote it and push it all that much. But the players that played it, and a few were brand new players who had never played Arcanus, uh, really liked what we were doing. And it helped us find a few little tweaks here and there that we needed to do. So hope we are shooting for the end of the month for the campaign to go live. Uh, when the campaign goes live, it will have a, it will either be at the right before, at the end of the month. Wow. Uh, when the campaign goes live, it will have a free uh, 60 page, about uh, 50 to 60 page, around there, mm-hmm. Arcanist Primer, which will give you all the basic world info. New player will be able to sit there and it'll give you a good like two paragraphs on each country, a little paragraph on each secret society because it's a really big deal in Arcanist, and everything you need to use a player's handbook to make a character to play in the living campaign. And also, awesome. away 20, and also we're giving away 20 adventures. Oh wait, <laughs> we uh, hold on. Let's let's back. You're giving away twenty adventures, twenty four, twenty adventures. All of them, actually, no. Hold on. Each one of them can be played within four hours, except wow. for one of them, which is an eight hour. Um, I have a blurb at the beginning of each adventure that tells you how to run this adventure. Mm-hmm. That adventure, I actually wrote it. It says that monkey says, "Hope your players brought their A game." Nice, nice. 
there's one adventure that's just horrific, and it's because yeah, just horrific. I'm not even going to go into details. It's fantastic, but we're going to be going out with 20 adventures uh, that will take you from first level to fifth when you're done. Yeah, the first eight adventures are basically they jump you around the world to give you a good taste of it. They're little, they're separated adventures that take place all over the place, right? Mm -hmm. So you get a little taste of the hinterlands, you get a little taste of Koryan, you get a little taste of all these areas. Then you jump into the the storyline, 12 adventures, which are all one connected story. Holy crap. You guys are giving away so much. That's awesome. Yeah, like we're because talking eighty-four hours of of content right of now. Gameplay, yes, because we truly believe that if you give us a chance, you will fall in love with the world that we love putting together. We just we want to give you a chance to taste it and play it, because we when we do this, we're we're, we're this is all one giant build up to the player's guide to Arcanus, which mm-hmm. is a work, which is our our player's handbook. Sure. Which is uh is going to have everything to play in Arcanus. Uh, it's going to have uh, everything that you see in the primer mm-hmm. is basically a taste of what you're going to see in our main book. And that's not the only book we're coming out with. We're going to have that. We're going to have Sephiroth and the Coils of the Serpent Empire. We're going to have uh the First City, the Blessed Lands book, which is going to be uh the one of the first of our uh geographic zooming into different parts of the world um so we're gonna have you know a a bunch of products coming out for the fifth edition game and uh so the idea is that we want to give you these games give you what you need with the primer to start playing and honestly you could play with a primer and the basic rules you don't even have to buy the player's handbook if you don't want to you can play with just those and we want to give you a taste so you can play our world. And if you fall in love with it, like we hope you will, you buy our oh, huge monster book because it's turning out to be ginormous. One of the things that I love about your products is that like these are all things that if people want to take and mine, you know, you can take apart adventures, put the encounter somewhere oh, else. Sure. You can... Take magic items and, and bring them into your homebrew world. You could take a oh, whole country sure. from Arcanus and bring it in. It's so yeah. modular, too. It's amazing. Yeah, like um, like Sethrogor, right? The Sethrogor book? Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be part bestiary, part nation's book. It's going to have an entire nation, a serpent empire that you could drop into your world. But it's also going to have tons of monsters that are from there. Wow. But not only that... We're gonna have rules to create characters that would be played if you decide to run a campaign in Sethrogor. If you want to run yes. a campaign of the evil lizard men and you want to play them, there's going to be rules to making Sanu and all these races that we created. I like so you that. You can campaign in the Sethrogorian Empire. Nice, yeah, that's great. Because, yeah, because Sethrogor, the way that the Sethrogorian book is written, there's so much politics and. Um, each family, instead of being called families, are called pits, like a pit of vipers. Mm-hmm. And um, each pit is constantly vying for supremacy against the others. So if you really want to run a really cool, dark, not flat-out evil political campaign, you mm-hmm. can in this game, in this world, in this nation. 
And um, but you could be playing anything. You could be playing like Forgotten Realms, and you could grab this nation and drop it down in the. I think it's called the Cholt with right. the jungles. You could just drop it in the Cholt and be like, "Seth Gore, game on." The Blessed Lands you could drop into any any place as well. You might need to do a little bit more work uh, mm -hmm. because really dig into our religion in the Blessed Lands. Sure. But we have this city called the First City, which is really integral into the into the story of our world. It was the first city, uh, the capital of the Alori, which is our elves, the capital of the, the first Sethogorian Empire, and it was the capital of the human empire. And now it's fallen into decay, and humanity is starting to recover it. So half the city is recovered, but the other half is still in ruins. So it's a perfect city to do like the entire adventure because you could run uh, urban campaign and then go dungeon crawling like right on the other side of the city nice. to recover stuff and then come right back. So it's perfect for that. Um, and we detail all the areas around it. And uh, that actually that book actually has a little bit of a bestiary as well. Yeah, I think it. I think it has like twenty new monsters. I might be wrong on the number, but I, it has a little bestiary because like we have Cyclops. And some other monsters that we created um, that are in there. Uh, so yeah, it has like a little beast theory. So that's kind of a theme we're going with our um, our location books. They're mm -hmm. going to be here's the location, and here's all the nastiness you will bump into when you go to this location. <laughs> um, because we love beast theories. Don't get me wrong, we want to do an Arcanist beast theory badly, mm -hmm. but we also really like um, story tied into our beast theory. Right, right. So yeah, so um, yeah, so like Sethergore and and the first and the first city, both are both have well, Sethergore has monster beast theory tied into it, uh, and and you know the um first city is going to have a little beast theory in there as well. So it's a cool stuff for players mm -hmm. and for GMs. Cool. Yeah, I like this a lot. This sounds super, super fun. Um, so, uh, so why don't we talk a little bit uh, about uh, your home game then? Uh, is, is, are you playing an Arcanist home game? Okay, so I was playing Arcanist home game, which is currently in hiatus because my entire life has been taken over by writing uh, Forged of Magic. Of course, of course. <laughs> like most game designers, you also have like uh, another full-time job basically that you're yeah, doing yeah. and your father and all of those other things that occupy your time i'm sure exactly uh so like i i'm not running a living uh, an arcanist campaign currently mm -hmm. i was uh with a bunch of my uh old gaming friends who used to play the living arcanist campaign uh and they were basically they're actually they were my playtest group one of my playtest groups for the d20 stuff the fifth edition stuff i'm currently writing uh, but yeah, I was running a Living Arcane, uh, not Living Arcane, but this is an Arcanist home game. Um, I also ran a, a Rotted Capes home game for a while. Um, yeah, that's, that's the two, well, I'm not running a game, but I'm currently playing a, believe it or not, the classic Marvel superheroes campaign. Really? The face rip system, which I still think is a, one of the best systems for uh, superheroes. But yeah, I'm playing a home campaign of that right now with one of my friends. Oh my and my gosh. daughter's playing in it too. That's awesome. She was actually she was in my Rotted Capes game because I ran it campy when she was in it. Because you know I don't think she's ready to see the dark side of her father yet. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, Delay that a little bit. Uh, but she did learn a valuable lesson. 
because I when I ran my home game because she was in my Arcana's home game, I asked her, "Do you want a a dark secret for your character?" And she said yes. And she learned that you never tell me that you want a dark secret for your character. <laughs> what dark secret did you give her? Oh Jesus Christ! Uh, so okay, so in Arcanus, uh, all arcane casters have to look over their shoulders. Uh, there is a nation called your Mandalore, which is led by um, uh, uh, a being known as the Sorcerer King, who is deemed that all arcane casters are his domain. So what happens is when, you, when you're when you dumb and you cast arcane spells in public, mm-hmm. you start to gather attention of these uh, people called the Harvesters. Gotcha. And, and, by the way, this is, happens in the Living Campaign. So all of you people who want to play it, you have been warned. <laughs> if you cast spells in the open, you start to get notoriety with the harvesters. And at any point, they can decide to harvest you. Harvest encounter is not APL appropriate. <laughs> it is not level appropriate. It is, oh, you were dumb and started casting spells in public. And so yeah. they show up and take you out. Oh, my God. Uh, and it's funny. Even in a D20 campaign, I would walk around because I knew who was casting spells in public and who wasn't. Mm-hmm. So I would walk around the convention and be like, you, bring one friend. <laughs> and they would look at me, what? That table over there, bring one friend, you have five minutes. Wow. <laughs> I I personally harvested characters. I was like, sorry, your character's t- taken. And then we had an adventure where the heroes went to Yamandagor to save them. And it, it was great because it was one convention and it was depends. If more if enough tables succeeded, everybody in the campaign who had their character harvested was allowed to bring their character back into play. <laughs> and we and this is before Twitter, so we had an email server. So we would we were doing a live email stream of how yes. many tables succeeded and failed. <laughs> 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 and it was it was down to one table. Wow, that's awesome. That's tables, super cool. Out of thirty tables, it was down to one table if they succeeded or failed because they started really late because people got to the convention late. So we let them start late, and we're like, you know what? Just keep playing. When you guys are done, you're done, and we're going to count. We're going to count what you do. So it was down to the table. That's really yeah. cool. It was such one day. It was fantastic because all these people were sitting around the table just watching them play. And at one point, one of the players looks at them and goes, hey, guys, no pressure, right? None at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so much fun. The Harvester is my daughter. So the entire time, she, so there's a society of, of arcane casters that protect other arcane casters. They're known as the Hawk and the Shield. And my daughter was a member of the Hawk, which are the ones that hunt down harvesters. Mm-hmm. She found out halfway through the campaign she was a plant by the harvesters. Oh, okay. Her memory, uh, you know the spell Modify Memory. Basically, they modified a bunch of her memories. And what happened was I had the part of the campaign where somebody cast the spell magic, got rid of all, and all her memories flooded back to her. And I took her aside and went, you have a choice. Which side are you going to play for? You've seen both sides now. You've seen those people who are harvested, and you, you know what happens on the island to them. And you've met people who are scared for their lives. Which side are you playing for? And she nice. looked, okay, Dad, I need to have a meeting with everybody. And I was like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> and she did the thing. She stands, my my ten year old daughter did this. She stands up at the end of the table and goes, "I have something to tell you guys." And I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be fun." <laughs> 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 Just tell them. By the way, guys, 
I'm a harvester. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And the table, it was fantastic. Everybody's like, "You're what?" And she goes, "Hey, hold on, let me explain." <laughs> everybody and you know she tells everybody what happened i get all these memories you know what i'm not i i can't go back to that i can't and they're like okay what do you remember so then the entire the rest of the campaign was the t- the party going on the offensive against harvesters wow. and they were taking out safe houses that's yeah, so much and fun the, oh it was great and then there was one harvester which is funny it was my daughter's old uh, master, they got to fight him, wow. and my daughter got to land the killing blow. Yes, yes, man, they, and, that couldn't have ended up more perfect. Oh god, no. he was down to like five hit points, and my daughter just pulled this. And she was like, "Oh yeah, because uh, we have like flintlocks in our canids because nobility. Um, you know, like the samurai, the dice show. Okay, so in our canids, it's a flintlock. If you're nobility, you're allowed to carry one." It's a sign. It's a it's a it's a sign of office. It's a sign of nobility. Anybody who's not noble cannot carry one. So my daughter was playing. Her cover was a noble. So at the end, she she was reloading the footlock. The guy's down to five hit points. She turns around. And she goes, "You're not taking my friend!" Boom! And drops him. <laughs> and everybody's like, "What?" And I'm like, "Dude, you're down to five hit points." <laughs> <laughs> and my daughter's like, "You're joking! I killed him!" I'm like, "Yes!" And she goes, "Yeah." <laughs> that line right when she pulls the trigger and I was like, oh my god, I couldn't write this if I wanted to. <laughs> so it was great. But yeah, that was the home star came this whole game. That's how we ended it. Like, okay guys, I need to stop this campaign because I have a lot of writing through. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well that is that is super, super awesome and it makes me feel like uh I really want to play an Arcanist game uh after I finish up my rotted capes game, because now I want to play both. Um, uh, for people out there who do want to check out more about all this stuff, uh, where should they go? What should they do? Okay, so our website is paradigmconcepts.com. Um, when the official Living Arcadus campaign starts, uh, we will have a link with the Thank You for webpage that we're going to have that basically uh, you get to quote unquote order mods. Basically, you will go on there, you will put your name, uh, name of the event, you can call it Game at My House if you want, and the date that you think you're going to be running it on. And you could just download the mods at that point, right? Um, uh, you download the mo- adventures. Uh, the primer will be there for download as well. So will the campaign rules because we have a campaign rules document. Um, and you could just start playing from there. Um, so yeah, paradigmconcepts.com. We have our message board there also. If you want to ask questions once the campaign starts, it will be a fifth edition section. You'll see another Arcana section, which is the campaign with our uh, our original system, the ARG system. Both campaigns will be running in parallel. Every adventure that comes up one campaign will come up with the other. So it's, you know, the same world. Just You can play it with either system you like. So if you see the other system, it's not a different campaign. Um, it's the same campaign, just different rules. So uh, you'll see that there. You'll also see the uh, message board for the rotted tapes, where we do like Q and A. You know, we have players asking questions on how things work. And hey, I came up with a bunch of new power stunts. This is somebody that I can't remember his name right now. The guy's awesome. He came up with like like fifteen new power maneuvers. Um, but yeah, so paradigmconcepts.com. You can find everything there. You can follow us on Facebook, Paradigm Concepts. Um, and we will be starting a living Arcanist 
uh, Facebook page when the campaign starts. And you can find us also on Twitter, uh, Paradigm Concepts as well. I will not be at Gen Con this year. Please tell me, please. Gotcha. But you will be at Winter Fantasy? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in charge of running the events of Winter Fantasy. Oh, yeah. gonna be that makes sense. A bunch of events. Uh, actually, the guys at Baldwin Games, big shout out. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome. They're giving us a section like the game Pathfinder for Arcanist because they think we're going to be getting a lot of people. Nice. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. And that's a whole nother reason to go. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and it's a great con. They run it really well. on uh, the people are fantastic. That's awesome. That's awesome. And we will link everything we just talked about over in the show notes at thetomeshow.com. Uh, Pedro, thank you so much for joining me on Gamer to Gamer today. This was a super fun interview. This was great. Well, thanks, man. I really enjoyed talking to you guys. All right, everyone. You can find me on Twitter at James Intracasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Also, check out my blog, my Emmy-nominated blog, which you should go vote for right now at any-awards.com. It's called World Builder Blog, and it's at worldbuilderblog.me. There's tons of free resources for your D&D 5e games over there, as well as information about Exploration Age, the 5th edition world that I'm building. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening. Special thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild to help support the show. And hey, if you like the show, please rate the Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook.